0: But no one's ever said, "Parfait me," or, I mean, I said it to you. Yeah. And I said, "Look, we're gonna, we're gonna get these parfaits," and I told you, I'm not excited, I, I'm really comfortable with this.
1: Yeah, you okay. described it as if you were describing a forthcoming military operation that you had your doubts about. Like we may not come out of here alive.
0: Well, it, it was there, there definitely was it was question that that command was flawed in sending me on this foray. <laughs> Because there' was no way that someone like me should be ordering a parfait, particularly if they know that there's all these nuanced choices.
1: Yeah, you're just not the man for the job.
0: Nah, no, I I'm, I'm not a parfait guy. you know right. I, I would never I would never do that. I would never get into a parfait situation.
1: Normally, I don't worry about that. It's just like a regular conversation between us you don't worry about what putting my foot in my mouth like
0: uh, I think we do that on a regular basis right exactly with everything that we do is because we're essentially just kind of riffing <laughs> with our opinions based with our with a lip with a peppering fact. yep Um I mean, we know what we know and we don't know what we don't know but right, we do foray we, into where we don't know quite a bit we know what,
1: we, I know what I know and I know what I don't know and yet, I don't know what I don't know. And so you may know that I don't know what I don't know. But I may not know that you know that, that I, don't I don't know.
0: <laughs> and the problem is, is that, you know, it's a, it's a sliding scale for both of us. You know, because at any, at any particular moment, we may know, mm-hmm. but not know in the conversation.
1: Right. So. The tricky point is that awkward moment where you know that I don't know. And now we're like, oh, no. Welcome to Crossing Faiths, where the Christian and Muslim talk religion and politics. I'm Elliot Thoman. I'm John Pinna. And today we're talking about a Pew Research survey suggesting that many Americans see ourselves as highly religious, but the rest of the world doesn't necessarily agree. Why the disconnect? But first, let's talk about perface.
0: <laughs> and that usually leads to... <laughs> And ordering a parfait.
1: Yes, uh, yeah. Usually, parfait is the the end result. And well, that was that, that was the best moment of your life. Who doesn't love parfaits, right?
0: Such a terrible moment. I don't think I've
1: ever seen you more uncomfortable than when you were ordering a parfait, and I do appreciate. I kind of cherish that moment. I did that for you. Well, I, mean, I mean, I. I, I know. I, 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 I kind of that went too. through it. Yeah,
0: because. I thought you did it for. Well, I, I well I did it because we were gonna. <laughs> We were supposed to carry parfait in the store. Uh I know enough to know it's like a yogurt situation. And I don't know, maybe we should describe this, the scenario, but so I, I, we had to figure out what other people do as far as parfaits. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So when I rocked in there, that lady was relentless. Yeah, Just relentless. It's like, listen, you know, why don't you give, just give me a parfait? And then she... What did she do? She, she, do you want it with this fruit layer or
1: that fruit layer? Do you want it with yogurt? Do you want Just give me a parfait. Yeah. You were really unprepared for the nuances of, of parfait. And there's a line behind me. Yeah. And were... You know. Something about your attitude, it, it was similar to as if... Imagine that you went into a doctor's office... Um, with a, with a sensitive medical condition, and the doctor asked you why you were there, but unexpectedly asked you like in in mixed company, like in the waiting room, and so you had this kind of you know this awkward moment where you realize okay I have to describe this sensitive medical condition in front of all these people, and I really. I don't want to. It
0: was it was a, it was a it was not the most comfortable experience. For yeah. me. I mean, and I mean, so you
1: were kind of like you were kind of there was sweat glistening on your brow. You were sort of shifting uncomfortable on your feet. I
0: don't know if that was the was going on. No, that's but, how
1: I remember it. <laughs> a lot of editorial. <laughs> in that. Okay, like,
0: so all right. Well, for, for for those of you who are listening, and, and can you care about this? We were going to carry parfaits in the store. Didn't know what a parfait was. Didn't know what people do. Knew enough to know that parfait was. A milky,
1: creamy. Now we're back to the medical condition. Yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> what was it? Like fruity thing. So
0: I went to Lox of Bagels locally, and they have parfaits. Yeah. And I just thought it was like, all right, you know, give me a parfait. And the lady was vicious. It was, I mean, just vicious. She couldn't just give me a parfait. And I was yeah. like, look, just give me... Let me have a parfait. And she goes like, well, what do you want? This, this, this. She went through these. And I said, listen, just give me the parfait. Just give me whatever you got.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's not like they're making them back there. Yeah. So then another series of questions. And then I just said, "What? Well, do you do? You, have you had a parfait? Yeah. Give me the one that you would get.
1: Yeah.
0: And then she gave it to me. And that was it. Yeah. But it was... I don't know three four minutes of pure hell because there's a line there's a blue collar
1: yeah
0: area It's five shifts and I don't know I mean maybe maybe there are dudes out there that are parfaits I don't know who they are but they probably have a French heritage Mm -hmm. or something French adjacent like from Alsace or something I don't know I don't know anybody, I don't, I don't know any, I've never, no one's ever pulled out a parfait at a work site that I've been on. Right. No one's ever, no one's ever said, you want to know what? It's parfait night. Yeah. You know, so if there's wing night, burger night, taco night, no one's ever said, you know, know what, it really hit the spot right now, a right. parfait. No one's ever said that.
1: Yeah, it's, Uh. you don't, it's not the sort of thing that you would typically see at like a construction site.
0: No like one's ever that. said it ever in my no. Right. Oh, let's go get ice cream. Let's go get a milkshake. Let's let's go get one of those fruit shakes. What are those things called? You know, like smoothies. smoothies. Yeah. But no one's ever said, parfait me or, you know, or, you know. You know what Jay? I, I mean, I, let's. I mean, I said it to you. Yeah. And I said, look, we're gonna we're gonna get these parfaits, and I told you I'm not excited, I, I'm really comfortable with this.
1: Yeah, you okay. described it as if you were describing a forthcoming military operation that you had your doubts about like we may not come out of here alive well it, it was there,
0: there definitely was it was question that, that command was flawed in sending me on this foray <laughs> because there was no way that someone like me should be ordering a parfait particularly if they know particularly if they know that there's all these nuanced choices
1: yeah you're just not the man for the job
0: Nah, no, I'm not a parfait guy. You know, right. I, I, would never, I would never do that. I would never get into a parfait situation. Right. And I, I just don't know. Even since then, I've kept my eyes and ears open, and there's definitely no parfait conversations other than this one.
1: Are you as religious as you think you are? I am less religious than I thought I was. Hmm.
0: Less religious than you thought you
1: but I may be more religious than I think I am.
0: So, so here we are. It's like it's like very Cartesian now. You know, if, if a prayer is said, you know, in a room and no one's there to hear it, is God listening to? But God's
1: always listening. I'm just employing my usual device. Yeah. Like if I can't say something informative, I'll say something symmetrical. Right. Yeah,
0: yeah. So it's like the Holy Spirit is there, and we got to, you know, use those things that make the noise.
1: All right. So we're, we're keying in on an article um, that came out from the Pew Research Center a little while back. Uh, the U.S. is not widely seen as highly religious. The basic gist of this, this article is that um, the, uh, the percentage of people, of Americans who say that religion is highly important to them is far higher than the percentage of non-Americans who say that religion is highly important to Americans? So, in other words, Americans think that we are more religious than the rest of the world tends to think that we are. I mean,
0: I mean, I'm not sure. I think the rest of the world thinks that there, everybody hates America. So, so I think that. that everybody thinks they're more peaceful everybody thinks that they're more cultural everybody thinks that, everybody thinks that they are the one so I, I I think this is part of a trend of, of or not a trend, but it's just part of the usual narrative of ganging up on
1: America <laughs> so is, that's your impression from, from your travels is that there's a general sense of animosity towards America what people fail to
0: realize is how diverse America is
1: mm-hmm.
0: and how vast it is Uh, I had a conversation with a a Brit and I was talking about how well you know Britain doesn't really have cities they have one city it's London
1: Mm. and
0: and she lost it and she's like Manchester Edinburgh and she started just you know listing all these cities right and I go Edinburgh's maybe 600,000 people Manchester's like 400,000 people those aren't cities Uh we have London's a city Yeah, I'll give them that much. But we have you know Chicago, Detroit, New York. You know you you know Miami. You know Los Los Angeles, Las Vegas. I mean millions. The infrastructure in America is vast. Yeah. Uh, And educated Brit, um, but you don't have to be educated. It it doesn't matter. People fail to realize how. Vast our country is the amount of infrastructure that go that goes into connecting this country.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: This and how many the populations and how they're distributed within this network of cities, and then the diversity. Not just we're just there's the English speaking peoples within our country, and then there's the English ad- adjacent right. So you get your Chinatowns, you've got. You know, your uh, Latino areas. You've got your... There's all different stuff. And honestly, there's some southern states or southern part, parts of the United States. I can't understand what they're saying. Yep, I have no idea what they're talking about. Um, you know, you send me to New York. You know, my New York accent comes out, maybe a little bit into the Bronx. I can understand what's going on. I understand the the slang, but I'm not, I don't really understand some of the southern spots. So hmm. I think that people fail to realize the diversity in America so that's one thing I, I do think that the world that the rest of the world feels that they're on a higher moral ground than we are generally yeah. Well, and, and and that's been my experience when interacting with people and then people when they meet with me and they say oh well you understand this and you understand that so you're a little bit different and I go I'm not a little bit different You know, don't underestimate the guy in the street there's a lot of, of really thoughtful people and you're, you're, what you're trying to do is you're trying, you're trying to look at like policy or something that's going on and you're trying to translate that into, like, some kind of colonial identity and come back. You know, mm. um, you know, the, the only person, the only entity that's been really, really good at 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 keeping a narrative of of sort of high standing in the world is Britain. so Britain sort of sloughed off all its colonial nonsense onto us. Somehow, we have that identity of their stuff.
1: I've gotten the impression that that is starting to change in the past few years that Britain is being forced to recognize and come to terms with its colonial past in more overt ways. I read an article a couple months ago about uh, Jamaica, for example, and uh, some other um, British colonies or former British colonies that are Seeking restitutions of various kinds. I don't know if this is something that you read about.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, and, and a repatriation of of of, uh, of uh, you know uh, the artifacts that have been taken and stuff like that. I know mean, Cameroon, you know, is split between the French and the British part, and this is happening with with, with the with the French and the Francophile countries. I mean, yeah. I you, I'm just not, not even sure how that's lasted that <laughs> long, Francophile countries. But I think that. The challenge is, is that when it comes to this article, when it comes to what we're talking about, I, I think that the people don't understand that the, the diversity that's going on in our country. I have a tendency to agree with a large swath of, of individuals that follow trends. So, I was just I was driving in this morning, and and, and there was a so they're talking about how. Trump's asking for donations, like five dollar donations from his 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 uh, his base. He made he made three million dollars last Friday, three or four million dollars, and it's really a pack. It's a it's a legal defense fund masquerading as a political action action. Yes, yeah, you know, as a pack. And so, and I thought about it driving in about how people give money to things they believe in
1: mm-hmm.
0: and the belief that cult that the the, the the cultish belief that Trump is a messiah or it is faith based when you and I talked about this last time about the picture that we were looking at and how and there's a laying of hands every people have closed eyes and they're praying or they're doing this but the, the picture of the laying hands on Trump was he's every, all the people are, are laying hands on him and he's like looking right at the camera right and so, because he's looking at your soul, and people go, he's our guy, you know. He's our disruptive guy. But people are giving money to things they believe in. So there, so there's a lot of people giving money to Trump right now. And he's using that for his defense, but he's also running for office, and they want him to get back in, in charge.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And is that a faith?
1: I, yeah, yeah, I would say that's for... Um, For Americans in the conservative sector, the boundary between faith and politics has become increasingly blurred in the past, you know, decade, five years to a decade. Um, It's interesting, um, growing up in the evangelical church, most of my experience was this feeling that, in general even when there was a uh, republican administration uh that we as evangelical christians were sort of at odds with the political and cultural mainstream we sort of saw ourselves like it was us against the country us, us against the world and there was this idea that we couldn't really put our faith in politics or in politicians and that no matter how good things got uh, for us we would always be expecting the other shoe to drop at some point and I mean we, we were talking about the left behind um, rapture type scenarios right. and, and so my childhood was a lot of ten meetings where we were talking about like black helicopters and implanted microchips and storing up food for when the end came and, and stuff like that. And there's a general assumption that the at some point the government would be out to get us uh, and that we had to be ready for that.
0: Is that just like a carry Like Is this this, this martyrdom thing? Like,
1: uh, it doesn't make any sense
0: to me. Right? We come from a... We have we still have Puritan laws that are in place in America. Yeah, I mean, so like, that's our, like the founding, and which which does give credence to the idea that we are like a Christian nation, right? So, um, I mean, there's no doubt that that it's a myth. I think that, that people came here because of religious persecution. Most, most, most of the groups that came here, particularly the Puritans and the Huguenots, and these guys. Came it for economic reasons rather than, than religious persecution.
1: It was a mixture of both. No, there no, was a, there no was no a definite religious component in the sense that the reason that they were willing to go to great hardships um, in the new world is because they were having a very hard time finding a place to land in the old world for any period of time because of the religious persecution. They would be sort of accepted as a religious group for a while, and then kicked out again. And so after a few of those experiences, some of these, um, these Puritans, these religious groups, did come here on an economic pretense. So the, the nature of their agreement was economic. Right. They, they entered an economic transaction. But it was religiously motivated, and what's interesting is that, in that particular context of the Puritan origins of the country as we experience it, um, there is the two things are tied together. There's a combination of religion and thrift that is sort of unique. Um, Well, I think that Puritan. I mean, I was you know read a lot about.
0: How it, the, the, the Puritans you know, they were flourishing in the Low Countries, and then, and, and you know, as far as as far as from a religious perspective, but the economic economic opportunity was low, and so the idea to come here was 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 uh, was decided upon. And then the other thing is that you're you're also very free if you go to some place like this.
1: Yeah, so there was a, the opportunity for self governance.
0: Yeah, and so I think self governance and economics, uh, economic opportunity, are the two biggies and, I, and but I'm not devaluing I mean, I'm somebody who's an advocate for religious freedom because it is a founding principle of our country but I think that that making sure that they codified that appropriately was important yeah. uh, but being some of the founders it's like, it's like we have to also, you can, Dutchess County you can't there's a reason why if you cross the bridge into Ulster there's a liquor store there and the liquor store is jammed because I think all the liquor stores have to close at 7 in Duchess County, hmm. um, and then you know, there's all this nuance about Sundays, but so there's there's a you know, and these are all Puritan, you know, they, their origins. You can find their origins in the, in, in in our our Puritan up, uh, sort of upbringing as a country, right? Um, I, I I think that I don't know. I mean, I, the problem is, I think I, when you talk about Christian nationalism, is just nationalism, and I lo- I look at it like political Islam is just and anti-colonial movement. And so, your your, your, your religion, the, the faith elements of those two movements is, I would say, not, not even questionable, is non-existent, I would say. It's, it's more of a political combine, political Islam, anti-colonial movement, and then Christian nationalism is more just a nationalist movement. And then they're trying to indigenize You know, Islam or Christianity into this to create fervor, to create a a a solidify or or ossify an identity,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and 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 then and then build critical mass for towards a movement. That's that's so. You know, I always just say, all right, here's a line. You cease to be if you violate the core core tenets of of Christianity or or Islam. You cease to be that religion, right? And you're now. Operating your own, your own, you're doing your own thing. Yeah, yeah, but
1: that's a that's a point of view that comes from being an outsider in the sense that you are uh, projecting judgment on that interpretation of the faith. What what the the religious element does is it acts like a booster shot to whatever the pre existing dynamics are, and so if you are feeling a little bit uncertain about the course that you are taking by putting in the shot of God wills it, then suddenly that uncertainty is gone. Yeah. Because it's God's will. Yeah. Right? And so applying the religious veneer to a movement is a foolproof method, pretty much, yeah. of giving it you know, that extra boost of momentum that it otherwise wouldn't have. That's why Trump has been so successful because somehow against all external appearances, he has managed to, uh, to tap into that religious veneer. And so there is a set of assumptions, um, that we have adopted that combine our conservative American values with the feeling of Christianity. Mm -hmm. And so when the implication is made that Jesus hates immigrants or that Jesus likes guns, we don't question it. Even though if we were to stop and think about it for a second, it would be really hard to make a case for those things, you know, based on the, the set of foundational, you know, principles that we Claim to
0: have
1: right. So, well, the religious veneer is enough. Yeah, it's a an, yeah, it's an, uh, well, yeah, because
0: you don't if you don't do the math, right? You know, you can you can then act.
1: So a switch takes place yeah. in which the nationalism becomes the religion, and so the weight that was previously applied to the religious principles is now applied to the nationalist principles. Yeah. Right and they're viewed at the same thing even though in many ways they're diametrically opposed same at least that's the way that I see it
0: yeah it's the same thing that happens in Islam political Islam exactly it's
1: the same thing so you know
0: I think we're saying the same thing although it, it, it's, it's it's the same thing that happens Is when you you can't you know you, you're, you're really upset because you don't have economic opportunity you're really upset because you know uh, uh, your town's destroyed or you're or the the people in charge are have been are co-opted by an outside entity, or, or uh, all these different things. And then so you are mad at colonialism, or you're mad at neo-colonialism, or you're mad at, you know, uh, the, the the idea that um, that that it's a it's a, it's a uh, America is, is the is the only superpower, and and so you're trying you gotta, you know, you gotta have that patina. Right? If you, kept, if you could you figure out a master putting that patina on of religion, mm-hmm. then what you then what you if you people can people don't have to go into the nuance, they don't have to really do them the work to be a person of faith. They can just do the work now on the cause. Yeah. And then they could they can keep marching.
1: So the the American conservative movement seems to be mainly a product of a somewhat idealized version Of America that the baby boomers remember growing up in and that version of America is a combination of their own personal experiences and the way that the media told them that America was at the time and so there was this interesting dynamic by which after World War two Um, when Europe was becoming increasingly secular, America was really doubling down on its religious roots. And so being religious um, became very important in post-war America uh, as it was becoming less important in Europe. And so for baby boomers, the people who are really, you know, still very much running the the political show, that is their context. Oh yeah. So, doubt. what's happening in the Islamic world? What's what's the parallel there in terms of uh, how? And I know that the Islamic world is extremely diverse. Well, you know, you, 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 general,
0: the generalization you could say is that is that this is is, is there was an interesting moment in time, right? So you had the end of the British Empire, and uh, and and. The Brits, we, we circle back to this. I don't know why. I, but the Brits were very good at indigenizing anyone who they touched into their culture, right? So, so when you talk about like the, the Brits, or you talk about the diversity, this is why I always talked about Brits about the diversity. They go, you guys don't know what diversity is, and they go, oh, we've had Muslims, we've had this, we've had that, we have Indians, we have, we have all these people in there. They go, yeah. I go they they they've all become their their oppressors. They all speak with a British accent, proper British accent. They've all gone to British schools. You guys it, it, you're you're not really a you're not really part of, of of the British culture or the British people unless you do. You have an accent, you you a British accent, you ha- you've, you've been to a school, you've 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 lived and you eat and you 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 uh uh have an identity that is British. So you so you become they most. I, 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 and this is my argument all the time is, that you become your. You've already become your oppressor. So to 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 try to uh, have the pretense, like you might, you might be making your food at home, and you might have your your family overseas, and you might have this, this, and that. But you become your oppressor, and so it's really homogeneous environment, right? So it's you have to be part of that one, that, that oneness. Or it be Britain. Here it's so diverse, that's why there's so much stuff going on. So people are shooting people are shooting each other, because we got a lot of freedom. So people are to speeding tickets. Britain, you, you drive on the road, you get there's a camera, takes your picture, you got your ticket automatically. You know what I mean? So everybody's just e- just eking along on the highway. You know, so here we have so much freedom coupled with such diversity. And the and people don't they don't assimilate here. They assimilate over there. Mm-hmm. So in the British, the problem with, when it comes to, the, in the 50s, when it comes to, our 50s, 60s, and 70s, you have a series of breakaway, on one hand, you have these breakaway independences, right? These countries that decided to, to, to declare independence. So you had that going on. And immediately, a whole, a, a whole new model started being developed on how to make sure those breakaway countries are are uh, locked down for the old colonial powers. And there's a book called uh, Confessions of an Economic Hitman. And uh, um, did I give you the book to
1: read? I've never seen that before. No. I
0: don't know. I, I, I don't know. I thought I gave it to you. And so uh, <laughs> this is a really long. I mean, this is a really long-winded conversation. But the bottom line is, is so these countries are breakaway, and then what's happening in with France, the Francophile countries, is a good example of that. So you had all these breakaway countries, and then France decided, well, with this new world order, right? So you have the World Bank, and you have the IMF World Bank, gives money, gives loans for development, and can indenture a a country to to owe them so much money that they can never get out from under it, Mm -hmm. right? And then the IMF is about stability, right? So the IMF is about currency stability, right? So if you can't have a stable currency, you can't operate in the globe, right? With global, in the the world economy. So it'll either try to help you stabilize your currency by backing it with something like the US dollar, or it'll say, you want to know what? Maybe you should have the franc, right? So if you talk about all these francophile countries and what's happening with France right now, France is the euro. It has a bunch of countries called francophile countries, and those are mostly in Africa, uh, and they speak French. Uh, everybody in those countries has their, um, their their French name, and and then has their tribal name separate. Uh, they all get French education. Uh, they 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 essentially have a, an embargo; the only French products. And a few French products. So the cars are really expensive. The tables are really expensive. So you take Tunisia, for example. Tunisia has only French products there. Uh, there's no McDonald's, right? There's no none of that stuff. So it has uh, only French products. So you go into a furniture store, like a table is like, like 2,000 francs because they only have a few of them that come from France. The cars are really expensive. Spare parts are really expensive everybody speaks French, Tunisian French everybody's got, had a French education and the French education's worthless worthless you go to France and they're not going to give you a French they're gonna, you're not going to get a job because you're not French right British does it a little bit different as long as you become us well, then we consider you British right? that's the success, that's the beauty that's the, that's the, the genius of the, the British system post-colonial mm-hmm. French don't allow it that's why they have sort of like ghettos right and that's why there's a lot of terrorists that come out of France that's why there's a lot of upheaval in France when it comes to Muslims for example so they, they impose this, this this embargo French products French education and then the, and then the franc is being used for for as to stabilize these countries' currency right and so the, the problem is is that you have this 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 pop of freedom and independence And then immediately the the model was shifted through global uh, um, banking and transnational and multinational uh, companies. This is all my Susan Strange is talking in my ear. And now you are able to control whole swaths of land and borders didn't matter. Uh, So you have that in, in really largely Africa. And the Middle East though is different is Arab, um, Arab, the Arab Muslim community, a lot, of, a lot of the Arab Muslims had this wonderful blessing of petrol, right? So you find all this petrol. Now one entity was able to negotiate with the West for viability and for durability. And so the Saudis were really smart, right? So is this instead of it being this diverse uh Multi-tribal and intra-faith sort of Islamic community. One family decided to talk with with uh, FDR and said, "Look, we're going to sell you petrol. The dollar is going to back us. Petrol dollar established that, and you need to make sure that we're and we're going to be allies and." It, and then Miftah goes. Well, what are you going to do in turn term- with 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 all the tribal diversity? And he goes, we're going to, we're going we're going we're going to link up with the, with the Wahhabis, and they're going to handle it for us. So they, so that's the Wahhab, Wahhabis come from the that uh, from the Sunni side, it's four four Macthaus, four four schools of jurisprudence. One is the Hanbalis, and that's where you get Salafism, and that's where you get your. Wahhabism and stuff like that. You can be Wahhabi and not be violent, violent. You can be Salafi and not be violent. And so they handled their internal issues that way. That's why I, And then what happened was this the Saudi family started skyrocketing because they had money. They had the backing of the U.S. They didn't have to worry about human rights. And then they had internally their Wahhabis uh, uh, handle... Suppressing and making sure the competition, whether it was faith-based or whether it was monarchy-based or, or you know or, 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 or tribal-based, dealt with them appropriately, and I, and so the problem is is that, and then they started exporting this idea of of, of fundamentalist Islam all over the world, um, and I'm sort of setting the stage. It, what happened in, in, in Iran was a little bit different. Right? so Iran was a little bit different so you, there was an elected president uh, the British wanted the petrol we overthrew the government, put in the Shah and then in 79 everybody got sick of that in Iran and then Iran said we're going to throw everybody out and we all know the events of the, the, that happened in, 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 in 79 with the uh, uh, the, uh, the Shia revolution um, so the challenge is is that in the, in the I think in the Islamic world there are was, I think, a renaissance religiously in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, because you had all these faith groups in the Muslim world starting to become interconnected. And then, but at the same time, and, and become post-colonial possessions, but at the same time, you had the skyrocketing of of conservative Islam through this locking in of the petrol dollar with the Saudis and through the strength of our relationship with the Shah in in, in Iran through the Brits, right? Um, so, well, for the Brits, I should say. And that, that combine went all the way to 1980 where you had... Iran was our friend. Saudis were our friends. And so there wasn't any really... Even the sectarian minds didn't even really exist. So you had those two things. And then you had the birth of Israel. So, so what happened? I think there was this tremendous renaissance at that time where there wasn't there was certainly problems, but it was moving from an old world to a new world, and it could have gone anyway. But what ended up happening was with the fall of Iran as an ally and the elevation of the the, the exportation of of political Islam as an anti-colonial movement, it 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 undermined all of the 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 benefits that could have come out. Um, and for the for fifty years, for example, I was at the American Islamic Congress. I was we were the only alternative entity in Islam in Washington. All the NGOs had a fifty-year head start and were all funded um, and and had board members from one sect of Islam that was defining Islam.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, I'll give you a really good example. The DOJ had training materials that were developed by their consultants and these NGOs that would say if they have this word, if they have this name in their car, Ali, they're terrorists. Well, the Shia all have blessings from Ali. So, a member of the Prophet's family, right? These people. So the problem is, is like that was part of the training materials that the FBI would use to decide if they pulled over someone who is Muslim, if they're a terrorist, if there's somebody that needs to be arrested, somebody that needs to be detained. And I was involved in that in 2009, 2010, the revamping of that. I was shocked. I was like, how could they have this? But, that, but who defined it? The NGOs who were funded by the Saudis. Right. Right. And so... And and like there's there's no really flaw in that you know it is what it is right so so here's the thing going back to your trying to become full circle to what you were talking about you have this deal where you have this idea that's locked in the '50s right and and trying to be preserved by the baby boomers all the way through right and we have these elderly really really elderly now uh, officials in office you know you got McConnell and you got you know Trump and you got Biden. So all these people are really, really... And their idea... My mother's 80, and her idea of the world is from 1950. Yeah. is locked in that thing. Islam, I think it's a little bit different as opposed to an idea of a generational thing. It's the flourishing of a specific sect that we've all been trying to wrestle with. And and, and I, I went out with... Um, a uh, a young lady for about three months who was who was a Sunni, who who was uh, who's who, who's a who's a Hanafi, right? Uh, which is a, a Sunni sect. The Sunni Thompson and one of the four schools, and we had this conversation about ISIS, and 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 she told me, well, you know, ISIS, you know, they're. You know, I, I, don't, I can't judge them because there's a, there's a hadith that says you know as a Muslim you're not supposed to judge. But I know all Muslims that judge. So she said, well, there's a hadith by the Prophet that says that you know you're not able to pass judgment on whether someone is or isn't Muslim if they pray, if they accept the Prophet, if they, you know, five pillars. It's a lot of uh, you know they do just a zakat, and, and and I said, what's well, a doomsday cult? It's not. They're not. Once they and once they transact violence, that's. Outside the outside the rules, of uh, which is within the construct of jihad, right? So you're supposed to, put to children and all sorts. Of stuff. Then and, and they're doomsday cult, they're perverting Islam. So that's that's jihad al Jung That's the idea that they're lying. So you have to. She turned around and said, No, no, no. They are they're Muslim. And 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 I said, Well, how is that possible? And the problem is, is she's young. She's younger than me. And so she, that idea of Conservative Islam or political Islam has found its way into her brain, mm-hmm. and she's now trying to preserve that and push that. Yeah, and was trying to tell me about that. I go, well, I'm an advocate for, uh, for uh, you know, making sure that that these ideas um, are challenged because that's part of, of being part. That's the healthy part of, of Islam. And she 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 vehemently denied it, and then went to her mom, and her mom goes, Yeah, JT's right it is a doomsday cult mm-hmm. and, she, and, she, she, and she and she was like wow I don't know if I agree with it yeah. and so it, it's I think there's a parallel between sort of American conservatism and Islamic conservatism kind of being, linking into this, the modern day 2023 as these sort of parallel roads um, the ideology is very similar Mm. the 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 action what what it leads to as far as action wise is very at least the bigotry it leads to uh, the, the the elimination of diversity um, not diversity in like sort of the woke sense but a flourishing intra faith Islamic community that has all these wonderful brains contributing to something that, that is that is profound and just like in in, a, in American conservatism. Which I I am a conservative, but not in the sense where it's, it's this baby boomer '50s thing going on. Is the idea of being we need to eliminate the diversity, we need to eliminate all those brains and and bring all these brains in alignment so that we can push this 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 sort of agenda in this one direction, of of, of say, the nationalism for example. So, and I'm all for nationalism, but the problem is is that you know the, the strength in our country is. All these brains, all this diversity that we don't indigenize everyone and assimilate them into the Britishness. You have to be so British. You have to have the accent, eat this way, dress this way, do this way. So you don't have to be, fall in line like that. And that's the, you, you, can, you can flourish in America as long as you work hard and you make money and you move forward. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little too hard for New York. I Maybe mean, we make a little too much money. I don't really know. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I see a, a parallel. But within the context of America, I think that um, for younger people, Christianity is becoming increasingly synonymous with conservatism. And that's well, not, like, like, painting with a very broad brush. It's not didn't universally it always, true.
0: Didn't, wasn't it always about that? I mean, I, I don't know. Growing up, you know, we're relatively the same age. I think I got 10 years on you, maybe. Um, but did, wasn't that always the thing? Wasn't that o- always the the case where you would be, you know, go to Catholic school or you would go to, I don't know, what do what, 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 what Protestants go to? What, what a Reform? So... You know, you would, you would be part of that community. My,
1: so, my parents grew up um, in what was called, at the time, the Jesus Movement in the 1960s, 1970s. It's called the Jesus Movement. Okay, sorry. <laughs> so, I, 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 and I the know. reason that it was called... He was, a, he, he was around. He was always around. The reason it was called the Jesus yeah. Movement is because you had all these... You know, you remember, like, Rebels Without a Cause and stuff like that. The yeah. ethnic culture and stuff like that. You had disaffected youth in the 1960s who had sort of been absorbed into the hippie culture. Yeah. Right? Um, or the, the counterculture uh, that was generally a rebellion against authority. Sure. But somewhere in there, they had caught the message of the gospel. And it was very much... It was not about religion. It wasn't about going to church. It wasn't about any of these things. It was just about Jesus as a person. Right. Um, And so that's why it was called the Jesus Movement. And so you had these kind of disaffected, rebellious, countercultural hippies that now were turned on to Jesus. Right. And they wanted to learn more, and be involved, and plug in, but when they went to the conservative Protestant churches of the time, they were at best looked upon with suspicion, and often simply not accepted at all. They didn't like their long hair, they didn't like the rock music, they didn't like the you know countercultural vibe, and this is the flip into like rejecting. Jim
0: Jones types type stuff.
1: Well, what happened is People's that
0: church and all that, or
1: eventually they got they've got fed up and they started Charles kind of Manson starting their own things. Yeah. and so the church that I worked at for 15 years that was started by someone of my parents' generation who had become a Christian in his early 20s, had been rejected by the religious mainstream at the time, and then had. Being like, screw it, you know, we're going to start our own thing. And eventually that led to him starting, um, you know, k- kind of joining these, this, this sort of like Jesus movement, right? Which turned into a church, which then split off into his church, right? right? And what's interesting is 30, 35 years later, now he's the conservative, right? right? And he's looking at the generation... Of values that he rejected in his 20s as the ideal right and trying to recreate that so this really interesting inversion took place Hmm. Um, but my point is that for you know many 20-somethings or 30-somethings now because of that dynamic there's no effective distinction between a Christian and a conservative. And the only exceptions are, you know, areas where there is a somewhat liberal Christian mainstream. Right. Um, right. which, you know, this happens to be one of those areas. But my understanding is that through most of the country, the Bible belt, the west, the south, that's not the case. And there's very little overlap between liberalism and Christianity in in many ways. And I might be like, I might have an ethnic lens that is a little bit off in that regard. Um, So when when people in other countries see Americans, what do they see? Maybe they see rude tourists, maybe they see Uh, bullyish economic tactics. Maybe they see tanks and and jet planes and stuff like that. And so, what they're seeing of Americans doesn't look Christian to them, but in our milieu, you know, in the ground on America, we see lots of Christian cues, right? And we're involved in lots of Christian things, and so there's a strong Christian veneer put over everything that I think that. And other countries people just aren't seeing that well they don't make the connection i think that they like
0: i said underestimate the diversity and of, of america i mean there are there's flourishing buddhist communities there's flourishing uh i mean one of my specialties is engagement right engagement modeling of faith communities you know, domestically and globally and so 2024 is coming up and i've got you know both both parties saying hey jt you know can you build an engagement model for... Because there's votes, right? So they vote... Religious minorities vote in blocks, more or less, right? Mm-hmm. So, so you have the Jewish community, Buddhist community, you have uh, the Muslim community, uh, uh, and uh, uh, Zoroastrians, and all these different communities. And it, and, and it amounts to about 20 million votes, and they vote in blocks, yep. right? All these different communities, which can flip an election. And I just think that there's this nuance in how... I, there's like I said, such diversity and these communities are flourishing because they're free to flourish and I think that when this I, I think that the Pew no one's going to say from out, that's outside the country no one's going to say oh yeah they're really they're a really good faith community because they're largely homogeneous countries that are speaking and their brand of who of what they are is very different than us
1: mm-hmm.
0: so whether it's Hungary or whether it's you know you know, Sweden or it doesn't matter if you pick anyways because it's relatively homogeneous. So, and if you do come to the country, you have to indigenize yourself. You have to assimilate in order to perform in that country. Yeah, you can't maintain your identity. So, uh, and if you do, it has to be private. Yeah. Uh, now, of course, you can't hide your color. You can't hide you know, certain things. But a good example is the hijab. That this this controversy of of wearing head covering all out throughout Europe is always up. It always, it, it goes for a little bit of a low, but then it will pop up, and then they'll say, you know, <laughs> you, know you can't wear your head your headscarf, you can't do this, you can't do that, or it, it, because you have, they're trying so hard to make sure that you indigenize yourself. Right. Here, no one cares. And so, I think you're right. I think that people don't understand the nuances within the Christian community, but also with the multi-faith community that's here, is that you can flourish and be who you are. And yep. that's why we have so many problems. Yeah. And that's why that's 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 why it, and you know you couple that with guns or you couple that with you know have you couple that with guns and the internet and where you can feel at home being a, as much of a jerk as you want to be, it 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 will it, it'll, it'll it'll elevate into an event that's that that could be terrible, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and so the problem is and then people always pick that out. So I have a British friend. And I don't want to come to America because of all the gun violence. Like, well, you know, that's it's not something we kinda like put up with. We yeah. just know that things are there, right? Like, yeah. You know, I, I mean I you come into my place and and you you wanna rob me, you're gonna get plugged. That's it. I'm, I and that freedom of being able to plug somebody who's gonna harm my staff or customers, you know, and of course it you know there has to, before it gets that way, you have to, you know, nuance. I mean, there's somebody came in here and started threatening children, and I, I had to throw them out. Um, but, uh, I mean, they didn't get plugged, but but it, there was, you know, but the, there's o- there's obviously something, you gotta be judicious in how you handle such things. Uh, but I think that having our strength in, in, in not only the diversity, our strength in the ability to live independently, this is like sort of sovereign being is really important. And I don't think anybody understands that from that's outside the country. And I think that when they look at us from a faith based lens, from a, a really homogeneous environment, they they say, oh, you know, well, they, you know, they're not religious because they're not like us. This is like Church Town USA here. Mm-hmm. There's, church, there's, there's always a church every other corner, if not every corner. Am I right?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's out, outrageous. In general, the church is, you know, Broadly speaking, way less healthy than it used to be. Um, but it, but but that doesn't mean anything because it was way he- less healthy. Still
0: doesn't mean that like all these churches are f- still have people that go to them. Yeah. The damn bells are ringing all the time. Yeah, not in sync. There's different faiths, Christian faiths have different noons apparently. Yes, none of them have that the same. Appears near. to be the case. Yeah, yeah, they're all on different calendars. Right. Even by like a little, like a, a minute, mm-hmm. or five minutes, or seven minutes. Yeah, I
1: think maybe the the Julian calendar has a noon that is uh, seven minutes different from the noon on the Cakuri. Nerve wracking. Sometimes I can't.
0: Anyways, so I think we get you know. So what's so what, what's our what's our what's our end result?
1: Well, what I noticed here is that there's a corresponding survey that basically says that. Uh, of all the surveyed high income nations, Americans are the most likely to say that religion is a highly important part of their lives. So that's 41% for Americans based on this study. And that's more than Greece, more than Israel, more than Italy, Americans are likely to say that religion is highly important to them. And so there's something about the, the, the way that we see ourselves as a nation that you know the like very very generally speaking something about those roots those american roots from 300 years ago um are outweighing the uh the roots of say israel that was founded as you know a a a religious ethnic right it's a theocracy um nation Seventy years ago, yeah. so to me that 's very interesting well if we here 's the thing the freedom to believe that uh,
0: this is, this is a freedom of religion, freedom to change choose believe or not believe i don 't think people realize i don't think I don't think outsiders really how, realize how profound that is like you 're talking about the church isn't as healthy it isn 't as healthy because everybody's everybody's uh, f- you know changing and choosing mm-hmm. and believing and not believing so there's so're we're, I mean, we're at the highest point. In our American democracy, so I don't buy all this doomsday nonsense. I'm not I'm not a Christian, so I'm not a martyr. So the idea that we are at the highest, the pinnacle of public discourse, mm-hmm. which democracy is flourishing, we're at the pinnacle of this idea of religious freedom, and everything is socialized now. Everything is socialized, and everything is accessible. So you can, you, you want to know what? What's the Constitution about? Let me go. Yeah. You want, okay, what's the Second Amendment about? Well, I mean, and then everybody's forming opinions, and there's there's a brouhaha of, of all these different things. And of course, there's extremes on both sides. So I think when it comes to an outsider looking in, and the numbers we're talking about, people identifying as religious, the, the, the strata of what religious is in America is very, very different than what someone outsider would look at.
1: That's interesting, because you know the headlines are screaming democracy is dying religion is dying you're saying you know democracy is better than it's ever been yeah. Religi- religious diversity is better than it's ever been because it's going to be ugly i would love to open that up for uh, another conversation and really dive into that because i think that that's a very interesting paradigm that's well worth exploring at greater length
0: we'll have to do that but okay all right so listen we're uh we're, we're out of time so we're gonna close up and uh this has been Crossing Fades. Crossing faiths is a production uh, of Muslims for Muslims International. It's produced by Elliot Toman and, and John Penna. The script was written by Alosha Anita Penna. Uh, thank you for listening, and we appreciate you taking the time.
1: Mustard.